We started a, a very important conversation on the opioid epidemic and uh, so much good stuff that we decided to put it into two parts. And so today we're going to continue uh, part two of the opioid epidemic conversation with my brothers Nick and Ryan. Welcome to Celebrate Recovery Official, a podcast that shares life change stories, courage, hope, and leadership wisdom, all centered around the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5 and the Celebrate Recovery principles where Jesus helps us to face our hurts, our hang-ups, our habits, and even our relational struggles in our life as we turn our life and our will over to His care. Realize that our life is unmanageable, but He has the power to help us, and we matter to Him. Isn't that a cool thing to think about? I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the Global Field Director of Celebrate Recovery. And welcome back uh, to the, the Celebrate Recovery official podcast. I want to pick up with a conversation, uh, part two of this great conversation, talking with Nick and Ryan, their state reps of Celebrate Recovery, but also leaders in their local church in Illinois and Texas. And uh, before the break, we were hearing a pretty powerful, uh, moving, uh, heart-wrenching story um, uh, from Ryan and just his personal story, but also just the impact of family uh, family member uh, that uh, passed away because of this um, this epidemic. And so uh, I want to turn the corner, guys. Uh, Nick, I want to come back over to you, man. And we're, we're kind of throwing out a lot of information here and uh, really stoic uh, story, stoic uh, reality of the weight of this. If I'm listening and know where I'm at and I, and I don't know what to do with this, how, what's some kind of steps that I can take um, as, as a leader in my community, a part of my church, my Celebrate Recovery? How can I get involved? What would be some practical things that you would give to our listeners on how I can get involved in this process, man? So specifically to opioid champions, um, we have a process set up for getting involved um, for uh, this conversation. Um, the easiest way to do that would be to email uh, opiatechampions at gmail.com, and then we would be able to reach out to you and, and get you set up with all the tools that you need. Um, but if you're if you're on a local level and you're you're not maybe uh, looking to become an opioid champion or um, things of that nature, but you're looking for resources on what do I do or how do I get these um, medications or the naloxone uh, that prevents or re uh, reverses the over opioid overdoses? How do I do that? Um, the best answer that I can give you is uh, contact your local health department. Your local health department and your behavioral uh, health counselors there are going to be able to point you in the right direction. Uh, they offer training. Uh, they also offer um, resources. Um, and um, depending on what state you're in, um, they will give you the naloxone or Narcan, as it's more readily uh, known mm -hmm. uh, to be called uh, to you. Uh, so that you can have a safe place for your uh, community. Yeah. So I'd love to unpack that a little bit. So give me a picture because, and I've seen this, we've done that here at our church. 
when you say uh, offer training, kind of paint a picture. What what are they doing? So you, you call them and say, "Hey, we want to we want to do a training. What are we training for?" And and what's that look like practically? If I'm if I'm a leader in my church and I say, "Okay, I want to do a training. What am I what am I training for?" Can you just paint a picture for our listeners that may have never done that, Nick? Sure. So we're training um, specifically for the opioid overdoses. Um, so if you called your local municipality and they came out and, and did a training or, and you had um, a congregation set up or a group of people uh, that are, were going to be trained, they're going to train you on what to look for, prevention techniques, um, how to administer the naloxone or Narcan as it's, like I said, it's more readily uh, known um and um what what to do because it's a crisis it's an emergency so they're basically it's kind of like cpr where if you're taking cpr training they're taking telling you how to bring somebody back who may have fallen down or or whatever and how to resuscitate them you're doing the same thing for that opioid uh and and how to uh, resuscitate that person so that's pretty much the gist of the training um, for a large um, trainings, uh, there there are definitely PowerPoints and things of that nature that we use as tools. Um, do definitely do questions and answers, um, and, and at an individual level, you can train someone on how to administer um, or um, for the beginning uh, to to see that someone's having an overdose, and then how to take action. And what to do? Yeah. So, Nick, and I mean, whoever wants to answer this, I think I think one thing that would be good for me, and maybe you can speak. You guys, you guys are killing it out there. I mean, you're you're getting the word out. You're doing you're you're doing amazing things. I wonder if you could speak into because uh, it seems like there's some, and maybe I'm wrong. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. Are there fears out there in for church leaders? In, in having these Narcan kits? And uh, what are some of the things that you've run into as you're ta- talking to church leaders? And if there's nothing, that's fine. We can move on. But are there some, are you finding some common fears? And maybe we can debunk those fears for church leaders that might be hesitant to have these, or maybe there's a stigma attached to it that you've had to educate people. What, what are some of those stigmas or fears that you've run across that, that might be a barrier or a blockade from people embracing this and maybe even learning how to and, and having some kits available in case this happens? What, what have you run into in that, that space? I've definitely run into this. So a lot of um, churches or even businesses, um, they, they may not want the Narcan in their buildings, or they may not want it um, just because of the stigma. And the stigma is that no, um, you know, Dr. John from down the street who attends our church could never do that. We don't have anybody at our church that's an opioid addict. Well, the the reality is you do. And, um, you know, prevention is the way to keep that person alive. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest hurdles is, is, um, the awareness part of it and prevention. 
um, and getting those tools into people's hands instead of them saying, you know, I only want a case which holds 12, you know, uh, I'm like, take 10 cases because you never know. Yeah. Having too much is it's not definitely not a bad thing for sure. I, w- I want to take a quick break here. And when we come back, um, I, w- I want to kind of lean into to kind of turn the corner on and we're kind of addressing, kind of putting some statistics out there here and the impact on family members. I want to turn the corner and, and really lean into, you know, what do we do with this information? How do we get involved? How can I, on a local level, no matter where I'm listening from across the globe, how can I get involved? And so we're going to turn the corner and ask these guys um, how, how we can do that practically. So stick with us. We'll be right back as we continue the conversation with Nick and Ryan. Hey, friends, if you're looking for an additional meeting uh, in conjunction with your in-person meeting, join us every Wednesday at noon Pacific for our online open share. You can connect with people from all over the globe. We have a, a short Devo and a testimony, and then we split up into gender-specific groups so that you have another meeting, a safe space to process your hurts, hangups, and habits. Uh, join us every Wednesday, noon Pacific. Go to CelebrateRecovery.com for the link and more information. We hope to see you this coming week. CelebrateRecovery.com. And Ryan, maybe you can answer this. Um, again, I'm just firing things out that, that might be some obstacles, right? Just so we can help people to educate people. Uh, w- one of those things that... that um, yeah, I'm going to let you answer it without me answering it in the form of a question. But so, so one of those things that can be one of those stigmas, kind of the stigma has many layers of a definition. And Ryan, maybe you can speak to this being a personal struggle here. To the person that says, you know, if we have this and they're they're continuing to use and, and that kind of deal, uh, it feels like we're enabling them. We're keeping them stuck in that. We're giving them license to keep doing what they're doing. Uh, Ryan, what would you say to that to, to uh, bring some clarity and some education to someone that might might be in that mindset that, that we're enabling by using Narcan on someone that uh, could be overdosing? Big softball on this one. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> um, you know, that is a big stigma that we deal with. And, and we've talked a lot about this from the beginning, which is just that, um, you know, we're going to, you know, everybody has to make their own mind up on this subject. And I'm not going to try to make it for somebody, but for me personally, um, I want to save somebody's life until God brings their heart to a place where they're ready to save their own, hmm. right? Where they're ready to step into the right decisions. Um, you know, that's me. I mean, we just, I just shared my story. I mean, Narcan saved my life on the way to the hospital. You know, um, I actually also had another overdose that I did not share about that was not nearly as severe, but I was in the hospital and Narcan completely saved my life, uh, with that one. And, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, if, when you have that stigma and that perspective, listen to my story, you know, uh, there's so many stories out there of how God 
can come to someone's heart and life and change them and they can impact the world in, in amazing ways and, and give back and serve, you know, uh, the big one for me is celebrate recovery. But yeah, I think, uh, um, it's sad is that we're going after the one more, right. Um, you know, and I, and I know that's difficult. I understand that, uh, it's hard when they see somebody that's overdosing and getting saved and overdosing and getting saved, um, especially with the process. But, um, yeah, in my heart, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to keep trying to save the one more. I'm going to keep saving the one more until they're ready. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. And I think, and I, yeah, it kind of, a it's just an important thing. It can feel, um, yeah, well, that of course, of course, you want to save a life. I mean, every life, every soul matters, right? Um, but, but I'm just thinking about if if we had a if we had a video footage of you in that life, Ryan, we probably would not recognize that guy compared to the guy that's sitting here. <laughs> and and I think it's just it's good. To, of course, of course, we wouldn't recognize that guy. But that's really in all areas of recovery, right? I mean, we we look at the old, the old is gone, the new has come, and the new is here. If if I if I took a snapshot of Ryan's life then, it'd be easy to say, easy for me to say, well, he must not really want to be free. He must not really want to walk in freedom. But knowing you were just sick in that space, and that's so important that that that, you know, that's, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we have celebrate recovery. We're trying to create a safe space to find the help the lost, uh, be found the blind to see again, spiritually, that, that whole thing. And so it's easy to, to, to look at the old cover and say, make a judgment, but just be mindful of that. The next Ryan and again, I know many of you don't know who Ryan is. Um, probably after this, you'll probably know more about him uh, and know of him. Uh, and Nick is the same way. I mean, all of our recovery stories are that way. But if if you could see and just have the hope that one day maybe a Ryan of today could come out of that muck, man, it's worth it. And if, if we got to go through some ups and downs to get you there, let's do it. And if it keeps you alive, and I love the way you said that, um, yeah, until they want to live, right? To keep them alive until they want to live. And, and, and you were in a space where you were in a hard space, and, and thank God that you are here today. So to me, it's that hope of holding on to, uh, they may not know uh, what the future holds, but God does. And we just do our part. It's not our place to judge. We just do our part, holding up their arms when they can't do it themselves, as somebody did for you, Ryan. I praise God that somebody did that. So, so Nick, back to you, man. Um, you mentioned the resources. Is there a particular type of Narcan? Because I know there's different kinds, like um, in there, like nasal spray. I, I mean, is there one that you have found... Or does it matter? Is there one that you found have found that is a better uh, resource, or is there ones that are free and ones that are not? I mean, are you kind of boxed in? You got to go with this kind because they're free. Or tell me about that. Are there different kinds, and what's that look like? Sure. So there's there are different kinds. There's different there's different brands, but it's all the same medication. It's naloxone, which is the medication which was um uh approved by the government for use in 1971 it's been around for a very long time 
um, prior to nowadays and now technology, it was uh, a shot that was given to you. Now uh, it is a nasal spray. It looks just like a uh, any any other over the counter afrin, yeah, or you know flonase or whatever. Um, and uh, but yeah, the so the number one brand is naloxone or i'm sorry narcan um it is the most widely used it's the most widely seen it's the it's the one that people know of they don't necessarily know naloxone but they do know narcan um it is it's becoming super readily available it's over the counter um it is also being put in vending machines uh where it's free um, in many states. Now, the laws are different in each state, which is uh, kind of uh, hard to, you know, put into words here in, in this conversation, but um, it, it, it is out there for everybody, and it is the best one that we know of is uh, Narcan. Now, it uh, comes in a box, small. It has two doses in it, um, and like I was saying earlier, having too much is, is never a bad thing because uh, the fentanyl that's coming into our country and taking such a grip right now, um, it is taking multiple boxes of the Narcan to revive the person. Um, so uh, definitely having it and, and having enough of it is key. Yeah. So can you speak to this, Nick? Uh, um, and I'm loving this conversation. I'm just imagining uh, just if we can educate people, uh, there's a competence and a confidence that comes with that that will help me to take that step forward that I need to. But, you know, what what are some of the things, um, just even thinking back the first time you had to administer this to someone uh, I'm assuming you guys have done that. What what were the things? Uh, I'm just trying to check in with the heart of the the administrator, right? It's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I, and and just the angst that can come with that. I'm kind of scary. I mean, we have to we have to be honest about it. It's it's scary to see somebody overdosing in front of us. What what were some of the things that were coming up for you in that space? And maybe maybe some words of encouragement to kind of process the the angst and and the emotions that come with that on that side of it that will keep me present with that person uh, maybe you could speak into that from your personal experience and and on the other side of that um you know what what were you sitting now with that okay so yeah it is it is scary when somebody is overdosing um you you may see them nodding out to begin with, but their lips are going to turn blue. Their fingernails are going to turn blue. Like Ryan said, his face was turning blue. Um, and that's from the lack of oxygen and trying to bring somebody back. And after, you know, after you've been trained, um, and the first thing that we do with number one, of course, is call 911. Hmm. But number two is we take our hand like this and we do a sternal rub, like right here on your chest, real hard. And if that doesn't wake you up, you're, that person is out because hmm. that hurt. Yeah. Um, and doing the nasal injection, um, once you administer the nasal injection, um, there's a period of time in between when you do the first and the second. And if that person doesn't snap out of it within the first minute, 
you know, are it's actually going to be really quick. They're going to snap out of it because what happens in the brain is the the dopamine uh, that's stuck to the receptors is going to get displaced, and that naloxone is going to get in the middle of it, and it's going to wake that person up. It's going to stop that. Hmm. Um, but if they don't wake up off of the first dose, you're supposed to wait up to a minute and a half, and that minute and a half is going to be eternity when you're watching somebody who looks like they're dead, well, they are dead, you know? Um, and then if you wait another minute and a half, and if that doesn't bring them back, you wait another minute and a half. Yeah. Yeah. You're wait. you're waiting to, to make sure they're in a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I cut you off. It's okay. Um, but yeah, you definitely need to make sure that you're prepared for it because yeah. it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I guess I just, and I love that you're giving us such great stuff. And a lot of this stuff is going to be covered if you get someone to come in and train. So don't be overwhelmed if you're hearing this going, wait, what do you say? What, what do I, what do I do? <laughs> the training is going to help you, but, but it would really just want you to hear, I mean, in recovery, sometimes it's really messy, right? And, and we can do one of two things. One, we can, bury our head in the sand and act like it's not there. We do this when we're having conversations around suicidal ideation, right? It's like it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, um, it can be scary. Uh, but if I can equip you so that you feel confident, then you got a better chance of leaning into that rather than running from it. I mean, Ryan, I'm thinking about uh, just people leaving her uh, by herself uh, probably just freaked out right and i mean not that that's right but what we want you to do is instead of abandoning them and leaving them alone is to lean into it and honor that this is scary because it's a life we're talking about but what you're doing if we can give you competence and confidence you can lean into that and these tools uh, can help uh, get this person back to a safe space where they can do the recovery work that that we're trying to do in celebrate recovery. So, just wanted to honor the 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 emotions that can come up. So, if you feel anxiousness, if you feel fear, welcome to the human race. It, it's okay, um, but you're what you're doing is a very important thing, and uh, that's why the training uh, can be so essential. But well. So let me, uh, as we kind of turn the corner here and wrapping up, guys, I mean, just thinking about both sides of this, uh, somebody that is is on the fence, maybe they've been hearing about this and it's like, ah, but that, I don't know, you know, you know, the, you know, getting the training, uh, what would you say to them or, and or uh, the other side of this, somebody is in the middle of um, battling opioid addiction, Right. And they're listening. Maybe somebody shared this. I hope somebody shared this with you, especially if you're struggling. Um, maybe, maybe Nick, why don't you speak to the person that may be on the side of getting the training? And then, Ryan, I'd love to hear from you an encouragement that you might say to that person that might be in the middle of it uh, in the addiction itself. So, Nick, let's start with you, man. What, would you, what word of encouragement would you give to that person that? Um, maybe on the fence about uh, taking the steps to even just get the training, uh, let alone uh, trying to figure out how to be a champion in their community. What, what word of encouragement would you give them? I would just say it's, I mean, in all, in all realness, it's, it's no different than helping somebody 
that would be having a heart attack that you come across um, CPR. Um, you walk into somebody who's having a stroke. I mean, it's it's being a human and um, taking care of your fellow humans. Hmm. You know, I think that's the big aspect of it. Taking the training is easy. Um, being strong, and if you do encounter that situation. Be, be strong and be diligent and, and make sure, you know, bring that, bring that person back because that person, no matter what they're doing, they didn't want to die. Yeah. Yeah. Good word, man. And give me that email one more time. Nick. Is it opioid champions at it Gmail? Is. Okay. Opioid champions with an S at gmail.com. If you, if you want to get involved in your community to help us with this movement in your community, because it's going to take people on the local level. We're, we're talking about global and regional level. We want you to uh, help us on a local level be a champion, really a champion ministry. We want the ministries to be champion of this uh, epidemic. So uh, Ryan, give me a word of encouragement. The listener, uh, they're listening. They hear my voice right now, and they're in the middle of this addiction. You know, the shame that comes with that and just uh, all the fear and all the angst that comes with that. What's something that you would, uh, what's some words you would give that person that's in the middle of it um, struggling with this uh, addiction, man? Oh, um, I guess... You know, I would say to them that, um, you know, I've been there. I have uh, experienced what it's like to feel completely mastered by opioids and feel there's no power left in yourself to get away or stop. And there's that there's, I have felt that, that there's no hope that I'm not getting out. But um, I would just tell them that, you know, um, I've almost, I've almost been sober for 10 years now. I love my life. I love what I do. I love my family. Um, God has blessed my life, even through all the mistakes, everything I've done wrong, everything you think that separates you um, from everybody else, that nobody's as bad as me or I. You know, it, it's it's just not true. There's so many people out there that have gone through what you're going through. And, you know, um, Celebrate Recovery is an amazing and awesome resource to find healing and hope and community. Because um, I know that's what I needed. Yeah, well said. Yeah. And, and uh, congrats on uh, your sobriety, brother. Um Guys, I just love you to death, and I thank you for uh, just your passion. Thank you for your hearts and and um, ongoing uh, diligence to help get the message out uh, to people. I know our listeners are blessed, and I thank you for what you guys uh, are doing on a, a local level. We we love you guys. Well, I want to um, just say thank you to our, our brother Nick and Ryan and just their hearts. Um, Gosh, what two great men, and, and they're, they're just two guys of many that are leading this charge. And uh, you'll, you'll be seeing us on this team, our champions, on our uh, Celebrate Recovery official Facebook page, uh, talking more about this, and we'll have some more conversations around this. I hope this was helpful for you. If you if you have questions, uh, uh, opioidchampions at gmail.com. Ask your state rep, and we'll get you connected to the right person so that you can learn more about this important mission, uh, this outreach opportunity to get people to Jesus so they can experience healing uh, from their hurts, habits, and hangups. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. I hope it's blessed you. Hope you'll join us next time. Until then.
God bless.